Well, good morning, church. How's everyone doing this morning? Good? It's good to see each of you here. And once again, if you're our guest, if this is your first time here at NCC or if you're watching online for the first time, we want to extend a special welcome to you. And if I haven't personally met you yet, my name is Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here at NCC. And we're glad that you're with us. We're a church that's passionate about making people and places new. And our heart is that you would see that and get a picture of that while you're here with us this morning. And we've just finished up these series of talks. We spent the past four weeks in February talking about true love and bloom and God's love being present in our life and how that grows. And next week, we're kicking off a series of conversations and messages called The Art of Neighboring. We're going to talk about how we're called to know, love, and serve those God has placed around us. But today, I want to share kind of a standalone message, something that I feel like God placed on my heart that I want to share with you You know, we are a spirit-filled church. If you've been at Connect Lunch or been through Connect Class or just even been in the church for a while, you may have heard us talk about that. Hey, we are a spirit-filled church. You may have wondered, hey, exactly what does that mean? If you've not been around church a lot, that can seem kind of confusing. And so let me explain what we mean by that because we want to talk about God's spirit in our life um, today in this talk that we're going to have. You know, God says in his word, whenever Jesus was here on this earth, he was in a situation like this, talking to a group of his followers. And he said, hey, I'm not going to be present on this earth forever. I'm physically not going to be here, you know, for all eternity, but I'm not abandoning you. I'm not just leaving you by yourself, but I'm giving you my spirit. And so whenever I go away, whenever I return to heaven to be with my father, I'm going to give the gift of my spirit and place my spirit inside of you. And he's going to be with you. And God's word says that in the book of John chapter 14, that God's spirit is a comforter, a comforter. He's a counselor. He's our guidance in our life. There's a number of things that God's spirit does. Now, some churches, um, and these are great churches, but some churches believe, hey, all of that ended whenever the Bible got done being written. So the working of God's spirit, God moving in our life, the supernatural things that God did, all of that stopped whenever the Bible was done being written. And God's spirit really isn't present or at work inside of our lives today. However, we believe as a church that that did not end at the times of the Bible, that that is still present with us. Even thousands of years later, God's spirit is still at work and wants to be at work in and through our lives. And so we as a church, we're a spirit-filled church. That means that we're praying every day and asking God's spirit to help in the way that we walk out our lives, in the way that we live our lives, to empower us in all that we're doing. And so I want us to look at this. What does it mean that we're a spirit-filled church? And what does it look like to have God's spirit working inside of us? And I want to start by sharing a story. About 15 years ago, I was a youth pastor in Illinois. We were at a church there, and I went on my first missions trip. And so this was the time we were going to a different country. We went to Jamaica. I don't know if you've ever been there, a beautiful country. We were up in the hill areas or the mountainous areas of Jamaica, kind of right in the middle of the country there. And we were doing some training with other pastors, with other leaders. We were doing some outreach events. And one morning as we walked outside, I noticed these beautiful mango trees, just really tall mango trees. And I was talking to our guide, the guy that was kind of leading us around the country, about the mango trees. And he said, hey, these are the best when they've fallen right off of the tree and they're fresh. And you're never going to get any of these in the United States. You're never going to get anything as good. And so I thought, I want to try this. But I didn't have a knife with me. And and so I didn't know how I was going to eat them. Because if you've eaten a mango, you peel off, you know, the outside layer, eat that inside part. But he said, here's what we do in Jamaica. You just bite off the top. 
So I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, just take a big bite right off the top, spit that out, and then you just get your face all in that fruit. And so he's like, you just squeeze as hard as you can. And so I did that. I saw him doing it. I did it. Like I grabbed it and I just shoved my face in. I had juice running everywhere. There's like pulp in my beard, you know, but it's all a mess, but I'm getting it. And it was actually probably the best mango that I have had ever eaten. Only one other person on our trip was brave enough to do that. And so I kind of washed up afterwards. We went and did other stuff that day. When I woke up the next morning, I had hives all over my lip. My lips are broken out. It feels weird to move my mouth. Like even when I talk, I don't know if people could see them, but I'm broken out all around my mouth. And I didn't know it at that time, but fresh mango has this oil on it. That's kind of like poison ivy or poison oak. It's kind of similar to that. And so some people have allergic reaction and I had my face all in that. I mean, it was all over the place. So it took weeks for me to recover from that or, you know, for that kind of rash or the hives to go away. It made an impact on my life. And I was thinking about that, or obviously coming in close contact, like that oil got on my lips and it should be like that whenever God's spirit is in our life. Not that you break out in hives or a rash, you guys. But when God's spirit is in your life, it should actually make an impact. Whenever you come and you've given your life to Christ and you're following after God, your life should look different than, when bef- than before when you came to Christ. Your life should be different. It should impact you in a different way. And so I want us to look at this, what God's spirit does in our life, how it changes us and the impact that God should have inside of us. And I told this story about fruit because that's where we're going to start. If you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. If you didn't bring a Bible with you today, that's okay. In the seat in front of you, there's a blue Bible, and you can take it out and turn to page 567. And I want to encourage you to do that, everyone. If you don't have a Bible, take that out and follow along with us. Page 567 in that book, and we're going to see what God's Word says about the fruit of the Spirit being present in our life and what is exactly what does that exactly mean. And once you have that, hold on to that for just a moment, because I realize in a room of this size, there may be a few of you saying, I don't know what's going on at this part of the Bible, like what's happening. So let me explain. The book of Galatians is written by this man named Paul. And this is someone who, after the time of Jesus, wrote a lot of books in the New Testament or in the new part of the Bible after the time of Christ. And Paul is writing to a church of believers, a group of believers like this. It's just a letter that he wrote to them that they would read on a Sunday morning, kind of like this. And Paul is writing to them because although they started out with faith in Christ, and Paul, when he helped plant the church, he let them know, hey, it's just God's grace that saves us. Other people had come in and started to lie to the church. And they told him, yes, you believe in Jesus, and yes, the grace of God, and all of that is really good, but that's not enough to save you. And if you really want to be saved and you really want to go to heaven and you really want God's favor, there's all of these other rules that you have to follow. Grace is not enough by itself. And so you have to be circumcised and you have to observe these specific rituals in these certain days. You have to do all of these things to really earn God's salvation. And Paul's writing to them and saying, hey, that's all a lie. Like we're not good enough to fix ourselves and we can't work hard enough to earn God's salvation. It is his grace on the cross. It's what he did that actually saves us and restores us back into right relationship with him. And so Paul says, man, if you just depend on yourself, if you try to do this on your own, we're all going to mess up. It's what we always do. We always make mistakes in our life. But if you'll depend on God's spirit, 
something different can happen inside of you. And this is where we pick up the conversation in the letter that Paul is writing. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says this, But I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So what Paul's saying is, hey, there are things in your life, this sinful nature, that if you're not careful, you'll just do those things. But if you walk with God's spirit, something different will happen. And then jump down to verse 22, because he lists all of those sinful acts there. We don't have time to get into that today, but he says this, verse 22, Galatians 5, 22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. What is it Paul is saying to the church here? He's basically boiling down to this simple point right here, that what you plant is what you will produce. What you plant in your life, what you place in your life and plant inside of your life is the fruit that will be produced. And Paul was saying, hey, you can try to do this on your own, can try to put God to the side and say, hey, I'm going to work out my salvation on my own. I'm going to try to be good enough, but you're just going to continue to gratify the desires of your sinful nature, the flesh, right? You're going to keep on sinning, gossip, hatred, anger, malice, sexual immorality, drunkenness. He goes through this whole list of things. That's what's going to happen. But if you walk by God's spirit, if you invite God's spirit into your life, there are actually fruits, right? There are fruits that are produced inside of your life. He gave them this picture because they were an agricultural society. It's kind of what they understood. Now, I know we don't do this as much because you and I, we get this stuff from the grocery store, don't we? Right? Like that's, that's our knowledge of fruit. Like we walk in, we kind of squeeze the tomatoes or whatever it is, and we figure out if it's ripe and we buy that. But they had this idea. They did this all the time where they would crack open the fruit and you would take out the seeds and you'd plant it in the ground. If you have a garden, you've done this. And you know that whatever you plant is what will be produced, right? So if you eat this or whatever, you break it open, you take out the apple seeds in the middle, you go outside, you put them in the ground, you water, cultivate, you take a long time, right? You take care of it. What's eventually going to grow? Apple tree. It's not a trick question, you guys, okay? It's really simple. This morning, you can get that one right, okay? Apple tree. A few of you guys said that, okay? Apple tree, that's what's going to grow. Why? Because it's what you planted in the ground, You're not going to get an orange tree, right? You're not going to get a banana tree. You're going to get an apple tree because that's what you place there. And that's what Paul is trying to get the church to understand. That's what God is speaking to us this morning. What is it that you're planning in your life? And is God's spirit a part of that? Are you taking times where God's spirit is working and moving inside of your life in such a way that his fruit will grow? Not the sinful nature, but the fruit of the spirit, right? All of these things that we just talked about, these things will be present in our life when we've planted God's spirit inside of us. And so if we want the things of God's spirit, we have to place God's spirit in our life and allow him to move and grow inside of us. And I want to just look at a few of these. We don't have time to go through all of these, but as I was reading through this this week, I just thought, man, we so desperately need this in our life. Like, just look at this, patience. We are an impatient society, aren't we? You pull up to the fast food drive-through restaurant, right? And if your food's not ready in three minutes, like you're, you're going in a fit of rage, aren't you? Like what's taking so long? I want my food to be fresh. 
I want it to be delicious, but I want it to be fast, right? And if it takes longer than just a few minutes, I'm complaining. I want them to give me a free meal is what I want. Why? Because I'm not patient. I'm not. I get mad when my little healthy choice microwave meal says, you got to microwave this for four and a half minutes. What am I going to do for four and a half minutes? I got to just stand here and watch the microwave for four and a half minutes. We are an impatient society or you're driving down the road and the person in front of you is going 65 miles an hour. It's 70 miles an hour and you start to road rage, don't you? They can't hear you, but you're yelling at them. You're an idiot. Get off the road. How'd you get a driver? It's like, you're so mad. Why? Because I want to get there right now. I don't want patience inside of my life. And yet God's word tells us that his spirit inside of us actually produces patience. And patience is this. Patience is simply waiting till later for what you want now. Waiting till later for what you want now. And we live in a society that says, hey, if you want it now, you should have it now. You shouldn't have to wait. But there's actually something when God's spirit produces this kind of fruit in our life. And there's a process that happens. There's something that needs to take place. That's why patience needs to be there in our life. If you've ever been pregnant or you've had a close family member, a friend that's been pregnant, you don't want that baby born right away, do you? No, because there's development, right? Like hearts and all of that stuff, brain activity, all of those things, organs developing, lungs, all of those things. That takes nine months and there's a process that happens and that's why God wants patience in our life. Church, there's a process that happens whenever we're patient and we allow God to work inside of us in the way that he needs to. We need to develop patience in our life or allow God's spirit to do that inside of us. What about this one, peace? Peace. I was reading an article this week, and 67% of people that were um, polled in this survey, they said, you know what? Stress, worry, and anxiety affects my daily and weekly routine. It somehow alters my attitude, what I do, my actions, my behavior throughout the week. This is not something that we're just struggling with. This is a lifestyle that we live in as a culture. We fight this, you guys, fear and worry and anxiety. Others said, it's money issues, it's the economy, it's what's happening in the world around me. I live in fear. It changes the way that I live my life. I live in fear because of this. And yet God's word says that his presence should bring peace inside of our life. And peace is not everything going perfectly, okay? It's not coming to church and now, God, you're gonna make everything great. I'm gonna walk through a bed of roses. No, it's even in the difficult times that God is present there with you. That's what peace is. It's trusting in God, even when it's difficult, because I know he is with me and he is in control. Is that that a characteristic of your life that, God, I'm trusting in you. God, I don't have to worry. I don't have to try to fix everything on my own. God, I trust that you are present here with me. God, that your presence is near to me, Lord, and you are in control of what's going on. We need peace in our life. How about this one? Self-control self-control. We live once again in a culture that tells us instant gratification. If I can have it now, why wouldn't I have it now? If it feels good, I'm going to do it. That's how we live our life. And we fail at this practice of telling ourselves no. Sometimes we know it's not the best thing that I should do, but we struggle so much at telling ourselves no and actually denying what we want in our life. We don't allow God's spirit to produce the fruit of self-control in us. And so this is what happens. We're trying to eat right, right? We're trying to be healthy. We're watching, you know, what it is that we eat, but we have a stressful day at work. And so we go to the pantry 
And we tell ourselves, you guys, I'm just going to eat a few of them, right? Just going to give myself a little splurge. And so we open that bag, we start eating, and after a few minutes, it's empty, you guys. You've eaten the whole bag. Why? You can't just have one. It's because we fail at self-control so many times. Like, I just keep on going. Sometimes I have to tell Sarah, just take the bag away, please. Just take the bag away because if it's right here, I'm going to eat it because we don't have self-control many times. Or, or I think, man, I'm just so worn out. I just need to veg out for a few minutes. And then a few minutes becomes a few hours, and then this pops up on your screen. How many of you guys have gotten that? And you're like, Netflix, don't judge me, okay? You don't know what I'm doing. You don't know what my week has been like. And then that comes up on your screen. Are you still watching? Netflix is saying, hey, this is enough, really, okay? You need to go do something else. Like, I know you pay for this subscription, but please go find something else to do with your time. It has to provide self-control because sometimes we lack that in our life. We miss out on that. And yet God's word is telling us we should have this fruit inside of us. That there should be times where we're telling ourselves, no, that's what self-control means. It means choosing to do what you should do and not what you want to do. Self-control is that moment where you choose to do what you should do and not necessarily what you want to do. It's practicing that in our life. And God's word says this, this fruit should be active inside of you. That actually as a believer, as a follower of Christ, if you're a follower of Christ, you have God's spirit inside of you and he's working and he's moving to produce all of these fruits inside of your life, love, joy, peace, patience. Now, maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, hey, Aaron, all of that sounds really good. I want that in my life. Maybe it's not there, but, but yeah, of course, who would say, yeah, I don't want that in my life. I want more joy. I want more patience. I want those things inside of me. I want them to be present there. But how do you get them? Like you don't, There's no spirit apple, right, that you take and you plant inside of you. That's not how it works. So how do we actually plant God's spirit in our life? And I want to give you two simple ways that you probably already know, but sometimes we don't think about or we don't do these things that allow God's spirit to grow fruit inside of our life. The first is this. It's you take God's word, okay? I grab my phone because this is where my Bible reading plan is, and I do these all the time. And so I open up my phone. It's one of the first things that I do in the morning. And I open God's word and I begin to read God's word. But I don't stop there, church. See, some of us, we just stop there. We, we read our little section. We kind of mark off our spiritual checklist. Okay, God, I did that today. I'm good. And we go on our way. But I read God's word and then I reflect on it. So I have a group of guys that are doing this reading plan with me. And every day at the end of our reading plan, it says, talk about it. What did God say to you? And so these guys, they're going to see what God spoke. So I stop and think, okay, God, that was written 2,000 years ago. But what does that mean today for me? Like, what are you trying to say right now in my life? What is it that you want me to hear? And so I stop and I begin to reflect on that. And church, I want to tell you, you do this often enough, it begins to change you. It begins to shape you. I pray, God, let your spirit speak to me. Do something inside of my life. God, what is it that you want to say today? In church, you read God's word and you reflect on it over and over again. And I know this, if you get God's word deep enough inside of your heart, deep enough inside of your mind, something begins to grow, something begins to change. And what you find yourself doing is after you've done that long enough, you start to face a situation and it's something at work, something in your family, and all of a sudden you start to worry. Fear creeps up in your mind and then you remember God's word where God said, hey, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. That's not how I'm giving peace to you. So don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. 
And I start to realize, oh yeah, God, I can trust in you in this moment. I don't know how it's gonna turn out at work. I don't know what's gonna happen with my family, but God, my trust is that you're with me and that you're in control of this situation. I'm not doing this alone. And I realized, God, that's a little bit of peace. Look at that. God, some peace is growing in my life. Temptation or addictions that I faced. And all of a sudden, I'm facing that addiction. I'm facing that temptation. And God's spirit reminds me of his word where he said, hey, you will overcome in this world because I have overcome. I remember scripture where God says, you know what? There is no temptation except that which is common to people, right? No one's facing anything new. And God has always made a way of escape out of that temptation that you are facing. And I see a little bit of fruit of self-control in my life. God, you're growing something. Your word is doing something inside of me. Church, I want to tell you, you will produce what it is that you've planted in your life. And you take God's word and you plant it deep inside of you. And you begin to reflect on that. You begin to think on that. And all of a sudden you notice, God, I see your fruit there. Maybe in small ways. Maybe it's just a small bud to start out with. But eventually it begins to grow and produce fruit inside of your life. How about this one? You spend time in God's presence. You carve out time in your day to talk to God and to spend time with God. I'm not talking about a little prayer over your meal. I'm not talking about a quick prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep right before you go to bed. You carve out time just to be in God's presence. And you spend enough time with him, right? You spend enough time with anyone. You begin to reflect their character and their personality. And it's like that with God. You carve out time to spend with God and all of a sudden you realize, hey, God, I'm reflecting your character. And can I tell you, there's no shortcut to this. And it's not always easy. I'm going to just be honest with you as your pastor. Some mornings I get up and it's just like everything's on point. Like I get up, I'm praying. That prayer time just goes by. I'm talking to God. It seems like he's talking to me. I don't hear him audibly, but in my heart, I know he's saying things. I know he's working in my life. And I'm like, yes, I leave that point excited. And then some mornings... And this is as a pastor, I get up and it's just a struggle. Like after about five minutes, I'm thinking, what am I doing here? My mind's thinking about everything else. I'm just going to go to bed. I'm going to go hop in the shower and get on with my day because I'm not feeling it this morning. And can I just, can I be honest with you? Here's what I do. And here's what you need to do. I just sit there and say, okay, God, this is going to be an awkward 40 minutes. If that's how you want to do it. Like I'm not going anywhere. I've carved out this time. I'm going to be in your presence. And I know you're not leaving me. And so if we just sit here and stare at each other for the next 30 or 40 minutes, if that's what we want to do, then we can do that. But God, I'm not going anywhere. I need your presence today. And I can't go on with my day, Lord. I can't do what I need to unless your spirit fills me inside of this moment, Lord. So I'm not leaving here. I'm going to be in your presence. And church, I want to tell you, the more time I spend doing that, when it's difficult, when it's easy, when it's hard, and I think, man, I'm not feeling anything. And then when I feel like, God, you're right here with me in this room. When I'm consistent in that, I'm planting the things in my life that are going to produce the fruit of God's spirit. And I see that effect every day in my life. The more I do that, the more it grows inside of me. And some of us, we're wondering, why don't I have that fruit in my life? And we need to step back and examine what is it that you're placing inside of your heart and your mind? What are the habits that you have there? Because this, if this is lacking, you may need to say, God, is there something missing? Am I not doing this? Others of us, this is what we do. You walk out of a service like this and you're like, yes, Pastor Aaron, I love that. I want those things in my life. And you open up your Bible reading plan and you do that for a week. And then you get mad at someone and you're like, I guess God's fruit's not there. 
You pray for a few days, right? And then temptation comes and you fail and you end up sinning and you're like, man, I guess it just doesn't work for me. God's fruit just can't be present in my life. I guess it works for other people, but not for me. No, you don't plant this and go outside tomorrow and say, well, I guess it won't grow an apple tree because I don't have apples tomorrow. It's a process, right? It takes time. And let's just be honest with each other. Some of us have been planting filthy, dirty stuff in our life for a really long time. And it's going to take a while for that to die. You've been planning that in your life for years and years. So many of us, right? The wrong attitudes, the wrong motives, sinful things in our life. You've put that inside of your life. I put that inside of my life. It's going to take a while for that stuff to die. And in the same way, placing God's spirit in my life, it's not an overnight success story. It's days, weeks, months, years of just continually saying, God, I'm putting you first in my life. Once again, I may not feel it today, God, but you're first, God. You're that priority. I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going to be around you. And over time, I'm telling you, what you plant is what you will produce. And you get enough of God's spirit, his word inside of your life, you're going to begin to see these fruits at work inside of you. Let me give you this other thought right here. Not only does God produce fruits in our life, but he's given us gifts. And if you have your Bible still open, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, it says this, and you can write this down and read later if you want to. He says, to each is given the manifestation, that simply means the working or the gift of the Spirit for the common good. So God's saying, I'm giving you gifts in your life, and it's for the common good. It's to build up others, encourage others, help others be ministered to. And this is what he says, through one The Spirit has given a word of wisdom and utterance, is how some of them say, another word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith is given by that Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing. To one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. The ability to distinguish between spirits is a gift of the Spirit. Various kinds of tongues. And so the Bible says that, that some people will speak in other languages and some people will be able to interpret those languages. And that is a gift of God's spirit, not something that we can do on our own. And all these are empowered by one in the same spirit who apportions to each one the gifts that God will. So what's God saying? He's saying, hey, I've placed my spirit in your life not only to produce fruits, but I have gifts that I want to give you. And in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12, he goes on and he talks about other gifts, gifts of hospitality, gifts of administration, gifts of teaching, right? Gifts um, of generosity. He talks about all of these gifts that are present there in our life. God's spirit lives inside of you because he's given you a gift to use for the common good, to encourage, to build up others. That's why God has given these gifts. But so many of us, this is what we do. We look at this, we're like, man, that's a pretty gift. I love this. Thank you so much for this, God. And then it seems kind of weird to us. We don't know what it's going to be like, and we just set it there. And you guys, that gift is useless, right? If I give you this or someone you love, they give you a gift and you never open it, it has no power. It has no use in your life. It doesn't matter how pretty it looks or what's inside. If you don't take that out and open it, it it doesn't really serve a purpose in your life. And some of us, that's how we're treating God's spirit. We're saying, hey, God, thank you for the gift, man. This looks awesome. And I read in your word that you've done these things, but, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to use that. I don't know what's in there, and I don't really want to open that. And God's challenging us in his word. Hey, I've given you gifts for the common good. Church, are you allowing the gifts of God's spirit to be at work inside of you? 
And some of us, we've made this so like mystified, so weird. We don't know how to handle it, right? It's a spirit, right? It's the spirit of God. And so we don't, we don't want to operate in those things when God wants these to be practical in every part of our life. Can I just give you a few quick examples as we get ready to close here this morning? I was talking with Steve Newman. Some of you guys know Steve in our church, and he was just sharing um, I think it was earlier this week, he was talking with a coworker and he said, man, I had something small, just a quick sentence or quick thing that I wanted to share with him. And about 15 or 20 minutes later, God had just poured out all of this stuff through me. He said, I didn't plan it. I didn't know what I was going to say. I hadn't rehearsed it before. It was just in that moment, God spoke through me and I knew that this was kind of a God thing. And, and that other person was impacted by that. That's what Paul is talking about in this book of first Corinthians. It's a word of knowledge. It's that time where you didn't know what to say when that person broke down and said, I'm going through a divorce or something's happening with my kids. And you didn't really know where to go with that conversation. But all of a sudden you felt something inside and God's spirit began to direct that conversation. That's the working of the spirit. It's not limited to a Sunday morning. It's not limited to someone standing up here preaching at you. God's spirit wants to speak through us at all points in the week, at different times when we're around other individuals. How about this? Have you ever been in a situation, Sarah's amazing at this, my wife, where she'll be around someone and she'll say, hey, I know we've not known them a long time. I can't pinpoint it, but something's wrong there. Something's not right. Something's going on there. And all of a sudden, a few months later, you know, you find out or I find out something's happened with that person. You know, maybe they've had an affair. They've hurt someone else. And you didn't know why, but all of a sudden you could sense something in your heart, like inside of you. Hey, God, you're, something doesn't seem to line up there. And I can't, I can't figure it out, but something doesn't seem right. That's a gift of the Spirit. Okay, some of you, I see you're nudging your partner, like, hey, you do that. Like some of you, you, you have that. Maybe you've never thought of that as a gift of the Spirit, but that actually is being able to discern the goodness of God or maybe evil that's taking place in someone's life. That's a gift of the Spirit. It's something that happens in us. He talks about this gifts of healing that take place. I just shared this story when I was up in Illinois, but whenever I was eight years old, I um, when I was younger, I had massive damage to my legs and tissue, and they said I'd never be able to walk, and then I was able to walk, and at eight years old, they said, you're going to have to have surgery, and I remember the Sunday after getting that report, I walked into the kids' church. My kids' pastor laid her hands on me. All of these kids surrounded me. They began to pray, and I went back later that week for my next checkup, and the doctor said, we can't explain it, but the muscle tissue is growing. The skin is growing around there. We don't have to do any surgery. The end of second service, someone just came up that's been fighting with cancer. And she said, I went this week to the doctor and the doctor said, we told you you were going to have to have surgery. The tumor's gone. There's nothing. You don't have to take medicine, any of that. You guys, that is the gift of healing. God's spirit is still working. And that's amazing. Yeah. And we're praying, right? It's those gifts of faith. It's all of these things. Hospitality. I know some of you hate, hate having other people over. But some of you love it. You love to cook food and invite others over. That is the gift of the Spirit. For others of you, it's being generous. It's, it's things that God wants to do inside of you. Maybe teaching. Are you allowing God's Spirit to use those gifts inside of you? To minister to others. Why are they there? They're not there so you can hold this up and say, look, I've got a better gift than you. God loves me more. It's for the common good. It's so God ministers through each and every one of us to the people around us. And I want us to just take a moment and reflect this morning. God, what is your spirit wanting to do inside of us? God, what is it, what is it that you want to do in each of our lives? 
God, are you producing fruit? Are we allowing you to produce the fruit that you want to inside of us, God? Are we allowing your spirit to move in the way that you want to move and your gifts are present there?